This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, I'm Rob Berger. When I'm not rolling in the dough, that's right, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and here's a question. What do you do when you can't get any traction with your money? Today, swooping in to help save your budget, we welcome the executive director from the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education, Rebecca Wiggins. Plus, not only is there gold in them, Thar Hills, there's also been a big change in gold prices. With the run-up on gold, should you add more precious metals to your portfolio? We'll give you our take during the headline segment. Later, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky caller, and don't fret, I'll also amaze you with my amazing trivia. Now, two guys who've probably gone in 100% on podcasting, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. That was a grievous error when we decided to go 100% podcasting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Monday. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And to kick off another week across the card table from me, it's my good friend, OG. Doesn't seem like it's just flying by this whole year. August 10th. It's already the middle of August, for crying out loud. The good news is Christmas is almost here. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Good news. But, but isn't Christmas going to be just another day that ends in a Y? Isn't every day Christmas? You could tell the kids today's Christmas and it would be the same. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh, we got a great show today, man. We've got Rebecca Wiggins coming down to the basement. She leads, as you know, this huge group of people, OG, just looking for financial knowledge and support a foundation, the basics, financial coaches, uh, people like our friends Lacey Langford and Jen Hemphill. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, we know a bunch of great financial coaches. She's the head of that whole organization. So she's going to talk about, especially during these times of COVID, how do you get your act together when so many things are going differently than you might have planned? Just don't. (laughs) Just mail it in. She's waiting in the wings so we've got a great guest for today. But if we didn't have great help for today, you know where we'd turn, OG? Len Penzo. Either that or Fiverr. Got to say a big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacking Benjamins. It's easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. Rebecca Wiggins is here today, but first we've got a couple of 
Interesting headlines. The NFL, precious metals. <laughs> what could go wrong there? So let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. I love it when we get our headline from a place that's different than we've usually gotten it. Today's headline comes to us from yardbarker.com. <laughs> what? <laughs> You made that up. It's a sports news site. Actually, it's a really good sports news site. Uh, Joe Burrow, you know, Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Crimson Tide. Joe impressing again with his uh, college football knowledge. We would have accepted (laughs) LSU or Ohio State as as responsible. I can't believe I got that wrong. I've had I've had this headline in front of me for three days. And just in my head, I'm thinking, sorry, Alabama. By the going, way, you're going, why in the hell did Alabama change their colors to purple and gold? Do you think that's good? Well, we had tons of LSU fans when I was in Texarkana, just tons of, of yeah. LSU fans. Down in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Fan, beautiful campus at LSU, by the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, Joe Burrow, now in the NFL. Let me see if I can get this right. He is he now. Is also, he is in the NFL. That is correct. <laughs> he is now with the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow's dad has hilarious comment about son's new contract. Joe Burrow is officially a rich man. This piece said as former LSU star could have read the first line. I would have known that signed his rookie deal with the Cincinnati Bengals this last week. Burrow's now so wealthy. In fact, he can finally afford his own place. Burrow's father, Jimmy Burrow discussed Joe's four year, $36 million contract during an appearance on WNXX FM 104.5. The off the bench on Wednesday morning. Elder Burrow joked that his son can finally move out of his basement now. We finally got him out of our basement, Jimmy Burrow said <laughs> via the advocate. The entire contract's fully guaranteed, includes a $23.9 million signing bonus. $23.9 million signing bonus. So Burrow should be able to buy himself and his parents a new house. Jimmy admitted that the Burrow family got a bit nervous during the contract negotiation process and is glad to get that part behind them. It was a process. There was language that need to be ironed out. As a parent, you get a little nervous when it isn't a done deal. With Burrow's contract finally wrapped up, the Bengals must now focus on building a contending team. Oh boy, it's going to be a lot of focus required. <laughs> just, just saying, Cincinnati might need uh, a lot of focus. So, uh, getting out of the basement. What's wrong with being in the basement? They There's nothing. Like- I was going to say, they make that sound like that's a bad thing. I know. We got to tell Jimmy that, uh, hey, having your kid in the basement at home, lots of cultures do that, OG, where the family sticks together. He should he should be so lucky. He ch- yeah. The kid wants to yeah. stay home, be in the basement. You can uh, charge him rent, make him do the dishes, vacuum, There's all sorts of benefits. You know, I want to very seriously talk about, though, his, his contract because Joe Burrow also was in the news. He said that he is going to pocket all of his NFL money. So all the money that mm-hmm. comes from the NFL, he's going to pocket. He's going to live off of endorsements, which is interesting. I mean, obviously the endorsements are going to come the first couple of years. He will get a ton of endorsements. Then I think it'll depend on how he plays. But uh, you like right. that approach? I think it's great. I mean, the hard part for anybody that comes into money, and this could be any variation of money, whether it's, an NFL contract and you're getting 20 million bucks, you know, day one, or, you know, there's an inheritance. Grandma leaves you 300,000 and you came into that money. 
the hardest part is to do nothing with it for a while. Generally, the best course, especially when you're not used to that amount of money, is to just set it aside. But all of a sudden, a lot of times, stuff kind of comes out of the woodwork. Isn't that wild yeah. how you get money in your pocket and all of a sudden? Joe's Uncle Bill wants to start a pizza franchise and, you know, wants to know if you want in on it. Or, you know, the stockbroker's got this really cool tract of Timberland that you can buy. And, you know, it's just the frustrating thing is that is that almost none of that ever works out. You know, you can see some examples of people who have been successful outside of their field. Um, I'm thinking of Shaq in particular, but even he had his bout with bad choices early on. The good news is that he had such a long career that it didn't devastate him. But you see so many stories about people who, you know, are successful early, have the big windfall, whatever that is, whether they're an athlete or some, you know, entrepreneur or something like that, get wrapped up in some esoteric type of weird place to put your money. I don't even want to call it an investment. And then all of a sudden they're broke. You got to be really careful. So I'm hoping that this is part of just a strategy of good counsel that he's receiving. You know, he's not an idiot. You know, you went to LSU, you went to Ohio State, so he's got a good education behind him. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully that's that. And 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 20 years from now, we we hear about how great of a difference he's making outside of the football community. Joe Burrow, not the only one who is uh, living a little more frugal lifestyle. In fact. We should uh, get a hold of Joe and play him this ESPN video. Uh, Broncos running back Philip Lindsay, of course, uh, an all pro. Uh, Philip Lindsay, very famously in this ESPN interview, uh, talking about living in mom and dad's basement. Thousand yards last season. He's helping dad in the yard. His form of paying the rent. I'm showing downstairs, pops. Oh, okay. Got my own bathroom and got my room. Now I'm thinking about putting my TV up right here soon. How many other NFL players do you think live with mom and dad in the basement? Right now, there's probably a couple that have, that have if, if, if you're like a sixth, seventh round draft pick. You think maybe it is just you? It might be just me, you know? taking care of his money, helping out mom and dad around the house. Oh, gee, what's wrong with that? Yeah, it's a great idea. Unless it's my kids, then it's not. <laughs> Never going to let the OG kids listen to this episode. <laughs> Just a bad idea. Oh, you're 18. I, I, uh, I'd let them stay if, if they were uh, NFL first round draft pick quarterbacks. I'd, I'd let them hang around, but they're picking up dinner every so often. Yeah. And I'm wondering what the rent payment would be to dad there too. Savvy negotiator. Be really high. Yeah. 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 Our second headline is one that OG was all over. This is uh this is very exciting. Gold prices through the roof, OG. And I know what you've been thinking. I gotta get me some of that. I saw the tweet that said, uh, who's gonna make it to 2000 first? Tesla or gold? (laughs) Gold made it. And actually, it's uh, Richie, our producer, neither of those. who found this. And Richie sent this to me because he knew that uh, you were going to jump out of your seat here. So watch out for the table when you jump up. This is uh, from Forbes, written by Larry Light. And the headline, ready for the headline? The headline is, stay sure. the hell away from gold. Oh, all right. Larry's a smart man. <laughs> and that's Yes. I thought you were going to give us a hallelujah. 
little more muted than I thought you'd be. Yeah. Amen. Larry writes amen. the off quoted line. Why, why does Larry say we should get rid of it? That, well, he says that we should get rid of it because you say that. That's why. No, he doesn't say that. Uh, the off quoted <laughs> line from the Merchant of Venice is apt. Quote, all that glisters is not gold. But gold lately has been doing a lot of glittering as the price per ounce soars to its all-time high. The question is whether this is a good thing to buy now. The answer? No. Not at these prices, because the yellow metal is notoriously volatile. Unless you're deft in-and-out commodities trader, which not many people are, or a long-term investor, which you should be, then gold is a problematical holding, certainly in any large amount. Gold finished last week at 1897 an ounce, marking an all-time record, of course, then it went over 2000, beating out the previous apex reach in 2011. Significantly, the record hit 9 years ago was during another fraught time in the aftermath of the financial crisis and the Great Recession. Then the new threat of the European sovereign debt mess seemed poised to push the world economy back into the mire. Physical gold and the exchange traded funds and mutual funds that track it are likely to keep on ascending for a while. As Mohammed El Arain, chief economic advisor at Alliance, explained the phenomenon in a tweet last Friday, Quote, the surge in gold continues this morning as more investors see it as one of the least unattractive risk mitigators. <laughs> one of the least unattractive risk mitigators. That's funny. Adding exposure to both technical and strategic portfolios. Too much volatility. It's, it's just outright foolish. I mean, you can look at it and say, but it's at an all-time high. And believe it or not, you know, I've actually gotten, I've gotten more phone calls on gold than I did tesla or something like that which i think is kind of interesting at least tesla produces something be impressed with their production or profits or something gold produces nothing it's a it just sits there it produces no income no dividends no profits no nothing it's just a rock literally and i think that you know if you put a little bit more flavor on it you recognize how foolish this sounds you know the previous high was in 2011 and he talks about that to today, basically flat over that nine-year period. So if you would have invested at the last time that this was the hot thing, the hot commodity, literally speaking, you would be even money. And so you just got to compare that to other types of things over other periods. What was the S&P in August of 2011? Yeah, 1,100, 1,200, something like that. And imagine if you had the choice between buying gold or buying stocks. What should you buy? Stocks. What about, uh, you know, this great magical inflation hedge that everybody keeps talking about? Largest period of inflation in, in our history that uh, you and I can remember is uh, early 80s, right? So gold settles in early 80s, give or take it about 800. Today it's at 2000. You'd say, oh, there you go. I'd take that. Yeah, about two and a half times. Yawn. Freaking consumer price index is up more than that. So anyways, even stay, with, stay away from this nonsense. Even without any of the long-term commentary that you're talking about, buying something when it's super high, buying into gold. Now, the stock market high-low, who knows? Because the stock market over time is a reflection of a growing economy. And to your point, OG, gold is a reflection of nothing. Or uncertainty, right? Yeah. I mean, you can look at gold surges Falling around dollar. times of, yeah, uncertainty. So I love what Larry says here. He says, alas, that damn volatility means once the bad times are passed, gold will drop like the heavy rocket is. I think that's probably, yeah. probably the point. Larry's a smart young man. 
We should uh, send him a gold star. Well, as mom and the tribe move our basement from place to place here, I really, really, really obsess about good Wi-Fi. And if your Wi-Fi is struggling to keep up with your streaming, your work, gaming, video calling, and more, or worse yet, because the whole family's at home, all those at once... Man, I feel your pain. When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure that it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. Covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling, and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out what makes Netgear... America's number one choice for Wi-Fi at netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. That's netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. I think our takeaway number one from Joe Burrow and his contract and Philip Lindsay living at home. I think there's a big aha here, OG, that we don't need to tie our income to our expenses, meaning just because I'm making money hand over fist in the NFL or I get a 4% raise at the factory, whatever job I have, beyond making sure that you spend less than you make, what you make and what you spend are really two different things. They should be. I think that that is takeaway number one. Disassociate the two. And then lesson number two is gold. Looks nice on a chain, but as an investment, don't go pile all your money into it, especially, especially right now. Well, people ask us all the time about, are there people out there that will help you with the basics of budgeting? or figure out how to get out of debt, or just get foundational with your money. And OG, you and I know these people, and an association that serves all of them is the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning. The AFCPE is a group of people who do exactly that. And today, somebody who gets to see big picture what a lot of these coaches are working on, and I can't wait to pick her brain, OG, to see exactly some of the struggles that people are having and how other people have gotten through it so we can all do better. Let's say hello to the head of the AFCPE, Rebecca Wiggins. And here she is on my dad's shortwave radio, our new friend, Rebecca Wiggins. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Well, I'm fantastic. And I'm doing even better now that I found out that once I found out that you and I have a bunch of stuff in common, but most namely that you, like me, were a rock star with money in college. Like you oh, were, just, you were yeah. just fantastic <laughs> with cash in college, Rebecca. Oh gosh, I don't like to relive those days. I've learned quite a bit since then. But yes, <laughs> I heard this story from my friend Jen Hemphill, mm -hmm. uh, who has a great podcast called Her Dinero Matters. That you didn't have money to get to the airport one day. Oh, it was awful. It was humiliating. 
first semester of college, I had a roommate who was getting money from her parents every month so she could spend as she wanted to. And I had a work study program that was supposed to be my spending money. But of course, I couldn't it wasn't enough to keep up with what my friends were doing. And so I just kept spending. I had no idea. I mean, we just weren't taught a lot of those basics. I didn't have a lot of opportunity to manage my own money before I went to college. And so by the end of that first semester, oh, it was just, I will never forget going to get the money out of the, the ATM. And I didn't have enough. I think it was like $30. I didn't even have that in my checking account. What so kind of my what, friends were great, but it was still embarrassing. <laughs> what kind of stuff did you spend money on in college that you oh, regret? Probably, you know, things you don't even remember having. Probably clothes. Probably was my biggest thing. I gained some weight. You know, that's typical freshman year. Yeah, the, too, fr so. the freshman fifteen. Well, we even talk about that now. I mean, we talk about people stuck at home. You know, uh, spending a lot of money and gaining the COVID nineteen. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although some people, I think, with this are are finding. You know, there's the COVID pandemic, I think, is running the gamut in terms of how it's impacting folks. But, you know, there are people who are saving some money right now because they're not doing the usual spending on some of those things like going out to lunch every day. And so it's interesting how it impacts everybody so differently. But you're right. I mean, it just it was not a time that I want to relive. And it was a really interesting way to learn the lesson the hard way. Although I have to say I had a huge safety net, you know, with my family and even my friends, you know, I had a friend who was willing to loan me the cash to get on that shuttle home. But it was a turning point for me to realize how much I needed to really take this seriously and start managing my money a little bit better. Did your parents know you had a spending problem? Well, they did after that. Um, when I got home, we had a, a long conversation about it. But I don't think that they knew. I think in a lot of ways, it was it was also really normalized. I mean, there was a lot of people who were spending and putting money on their credit cards and things like that. So I think it was not seen as a huge issue. And I think because we caught it before it, it got way out of hand. But yeah, I mean, I think it was it was sort of a typical going off to college and being a little naive, quite frankly, which makes me think now as a parent, how important it is to have those conversations at a very young age and give those give our kids the opportunities before they leave the house so that they're not sort of flooded with all those other messages and then get get themselves into trouble. Yeah, you got to see this every day when you talk to the coaches that you interface with every day, Rebecca, that it's, it feels like nobody's having these conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a big, big part of it is money is still something that we don't like to talk about with our friends, with our family. And it's really personal to people. And that's one of the things you're right. I mean, our professionals are really working on humanizing that part of it and, and helping people to understand that money is just a vehicle to get you to your goals. You know, most of us don't have actual money goals. It's just that there's money tied to whatever that life goal is. So I think once we can start to understand those emotional parts of money, or maybe the mindsets that we have around money, which we all have from growing up in different um, different ways, to, depending on how much or how little it was talked about or how much or little you had of money. So I think that's the important part is starting to have more of those conversations and normalize the fact that we're not taught this in schools. Most of us were not, you know, I, I learned the hard way. And like I said, I had a safety net. I had some people to help me through that. So it wasn't a huge challenge. Um, a lot of people don't have that. And so I think to just be able to understand that you're not alone. And there are a lot of people who make mistakes along the way. And how do we help each other through that? And so that's a big part of what our professionals do. Was that the turning point for you though with money? Was that time or did you continue to mess up like I did? Like I should have, I should have totally, <laughs> there were about 15 times when I should have seen the sign 
And I'm just yeah. like, no, I'm going to keep screwing this up. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm completely messed up beyond recognition before I actually do anything that's constructive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's normal. I do remember the harsh talking to I got from my mother. So it was definitely a turning point of, you know, this is not who you are. Let's get in control of what your values are. And you don't want to end up in this situation again. So it was definitely a wake up call, but, oh, I have made tons of mistakes. And, you know, it helped me to see that even though I'm in this field now, it's funny for me to see, and my husband and I talk about this all the time. I am a spender. You know, if I have money, I want to spend it. I, and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you have some of those other things I think in place for the long term. And so I think sometimes it can go to either extreme. There's people who don't want to spend anything and enjoy today all for tomorrow, but tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so, you know, you want to have that balance, I think, but um, I definitely still lean towards, you know, the sale signs and some of those things I can get, I can make mistakes for sure, just like anybody else. You became executive director then of the AFCPE. And, and I'm just wondering, I'm wondering because I became the president of a nonprofit. Is it the sort of thing like it was with me, Rebecca, where you accidentally miss a meeting and then you come back and you find out you're in charge? <laughs> You've been nominated. Yeah. Right. We call that being voluntold. Right. Uh, it was a strange path to get to where I am. My background was actually in music performance, my cool. undergrad degree. That led to, you know, I was I was very lost in college. That was the only sort of thing I knew uh, or, or that was familiar to me. And I you know could get some money to go to school for. So I did that, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I did a lot of internships in the education and outreach in the nonprofit space, but obviously focused in the arts. And, you know, it was like one thing led to another. And I ended up meeting someone who worked at AFCPE and they needed someone to run their grant programs, which was really kind of similar skill set, just different topic area. And so I started at AFCPE and I did a lot of the, the roles. You know, I started with the grant funding programs in terms of financial education, mostly for the military, military spouse program. And then we did one really cool program for marriage and family therapists around, you know, again, training them on money because it's such a big issue with within relationships. And then, you know, just held different positions within the organization. It was very small at the time. There were only a couple of people on the team. And so I had that opportunity really to learn new skills and new parts of the business and then eventually took over as executive director. And it's been, gosh, what year is it? 2020. It's been <laughs> eight years since I've been in this role. So, but I've been with the organization for over 15 now. And so it's been such a, an honor really, because I've learned so much. I've grown a lot as a leader. I've learned a ton from the people that I've worked with. I mean, we have such a tremendous team and board and our professionals are, they are what feed us to do the work. I mean, they're so passionate about working with people, so empathetic, so driven to, to help people with financial education. And so it honestly makes the job such a joy. I love what I do and I love the people that I work with. Well, and I also think though, Rebecca, coming at it from the outside too gave you this real perspective. And I would imagine that if mm -hmm. you're somebody with a music background, like just being curious about mm -hmm. all of these cool areas of money topics that people don't, don't look at, I would think would be fascinating. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, I think sometimes you think as a youngster that like the path is going to be this straight path to where you get, and I would never have imagined this is what I would be doing. Um, in my career. But you're right. I think when I stepped in, it was actually what made me feel the most insecure and have that sort of imposter syndrome at the very beginning was like, well, this isn't my field. And I did go back and get my master's because I wanted to learn that and make sure I understood the content area better. But 
you're absolutely right. I think that was the greatest gift was that I was sort of from the outside and it allowed me to really listen. What were the professionals saying? What's needed in the field? What does the organization need? But I think you can also, but I think you can also come at things more from the client perspective, from the average person listening to the show perspective. Cause Mm -hmm. I know a bunch of money nerds like you do. And a lot of times there are people that know finance. So they know all the jargons, all the acronyms, all the stuff that they find fascinating that all my non-finance friends find to be boring as hell. Like I don't, That's right. like Roth IRA, 401k, like we've got the most obscure titles for all of these things that people should be saving into. That's right. It, it definitely allowed me to see a different side of it and, and also to appreciate some of that, appreciate the research behind it, but to really understand that what we do is about people. And that's all that money is. I think you're absolutely right. We, we make money so complicated and so much of this is not, you know, it's not about all of that. It's really about what your goals are and your values are and who you are as a person and and trying to create a plan that works for you. And it's going to be different, you know, so even sometimes I think we have to be careful about listening to really overly prescriptive approaches, because one thing does not work for everybody. And you can't say first do this and then do that. And next you'll have financial security. So I think that's a huge opportunity to really see and and sometimes that can actually feel kind of overwhelming to folks too. We want the prescriptive approach, right? We want to say, I do this and this and I'll be okay. But I think if we can allow a little bit more of the nuance in, into the discussion and understand everyone's different, your goals are different than my goals. So it's not going to be something that works for everybody just to put everybody into the same plan. Yeah, I think that's where the one-on-one comes in because mm-hmm. everybody is a different starting point. Two things I want to talk about, overspending, and then about coaching. And by the way, before we get to that, I just want to emphasize what we just talked about to everybody, because I think it's such a powerful point. Like you had imposter syndrome, and yet being able to have this outlook where you didn't come from money gave you some empathy. And I find that whenever I go into a new area, looking at it as an outsider looking in gives you this great perspective. And I think we forget that all the time. Like I have to know more where really just because you're human, you know, a bunch about what people are doing. But when it comes to overspending, when you talk to coaches, where are most people messing up? It's a complicated question because as you'll find with, I think any, any financial question, the answer is usually it depends, but I think that the answer lies in, it usually is that people are overspending in the areas that are easier to miss, like food, for instance, eating out or things that accumulate that you don't necessarily think about as often. So you're thinking about the bigger purchase. That one hits a little harder when the bill comes, you know, that you've, you've put that money towards furniture or car repair or something like that. But when you're eating out every day, at the time, it might seem like no big deal. That's a $10 lunch here and there or a $5 latte. But those are the things that I think add up the most and can derail even, you know, good plans. I think that's usually where um, most people are finding that they can cut and where they're overspending is like their food or eating out. Some of those things that are seemingly less in cost, but add up quite a bit. It's funny because my next question is going to be maybe an easy fix or two that we can set people on to fix that. But I think before that, I know something about coaches. I know what you guys talk about a lot is getting behind. Like, why am I Mm -hmm. eating out every day first? Yeah, I think that's the key is actually going to be because it depends for everyone. It's important that the first step is 
take a look at where, where you're spending. Maybe for a month you track your expenses, no judgment, don't change anything, just, you know, see where it's going. And then, you know, start to think about what are your values? What are your goals? If your goal is to save, you know, either to buy a home or to put money towards college education or whatever, that longer term goal, sometimes that's hard because you want the coffee today, that doesn't seem like that much to spend on. But when you can think about what your goal is for the long term, it helps you to see that, you know what, buying that $5 coffee really isn't going to help me, I really need to put that aside. And so I think for everybody, it's going to be different. Somebody might have a different area in their budget that they are just blowing out of the water, and it has nothing to do with food, but they could cut that as well. So I think as long as people just take a step back and say, again, everybody's values are different, everybody's goals are different, families look different. So what's important to you? What what is your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be about? What is your family sort of value statement? And then are you actually spending in alignment with that? And I think pretty quickly, you'll see there are some things you could cut back on or cut altogether, that's going to help you feel like you're living more in alignment with those values. And that's really all it's about, I think, at the end of the day. Are you, are you saying to begin with the end of mine, Rebecca? Because that's, that's, exactly that's crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> Just cr- crazy talk. But it is funny. And, and by the way, a game I used to like to play with clients when I was a financial planner was first, and, and this is an, an awesome game. And, and it's only awesome if you don't take it seriously, if you think <laughs> of it as fun. And it's this. I would send my clients with this worksheet and have them write down all the different places they think they spend money in a month mm. and then track it. And see what the difference is between your guesstimate mm-hmm. and what the real thing is. And then we have a good laugh about how we have no idea how the hell we spend money, you know? Yeah. And it, well, it's like time. It's, it's, it reminds me of tracking time, you know, like right. you think you're spending, oh, I, I'm only checking social media like twice a day or something like that. And then you track it and it's like mind blowing where you're, where you're spending your time. It's the same exact thing. You're right. It's interesting if you can do it with a good natured attitude, I guess, to kind of see like, whoa, it's and it really can help you, I think, get back on track, because you realize right away, that's not really actually what I value most. And so it's hurting me from it's keeping me from getting to the thing that I need, need to be working on. It's so funny, when my phone started telling me how much time I spend on the screen every week, I absolutely hated that. I'm like, don't, yeah. don't, don't show me that. What I know you, you it's a little depressing, but sometimes those are the things that spur you into action. Right. And if you Absolutely. don't know, then it can be hard. And I think, you know, when you talk about overspending, I think another part of it is we're not we're not engaging with our money the same way that we used to. Right. A lot of it is so digital now. It's easy, I think, to to have things accumulate and you forgot you even spent that, but here it comes on that next month statement and you better pay that credit card bill. And, you know, was it really something you valued? It, it becomes mindless in a, in a sense to folks. And so I think that's the exercise is making it, it might hurt a little bit to see that report of how, how much social media you're consumption consuming or how much you're spending on those lattes. But that's the moment that you realize I got to do something about this. You have a choice then what right. you can do differently. I feel like it's like the dentist. I always don't want to go to the dentist and I feel awesome when I'm walking out of the office. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that was fantastic. Let's talk about coaching then. So somebody has an overspending problem or has an issue with money. What's the difference between a financial coach and a financial planner? It's a great question. So 
on our side of the field, so AFCPE certifies financial counselors and educators, and we also do with our partner Sage Financial Solutions, uh, financial coaching training. There's a little bit of nuance in between all of those approaches in terms of how the professional shows up with the client. But the main distinction, I would say, between like the financial counseling side and the financial planning side is that we're really focused on helping people get to the point where they feel confident managing their money. So that can look like a lot of different things. It could be helping someone out of crisis. They're, they have so much debt. They have huge credit issues. Um, but they're mostly focused on that sort of what I call the foundational side of finance before they are now ready to work with a financial planner to save and invest. I think what's important about understanding the distinction is that the profession needs to become more integrated so that you have a an easier flow between professionals and you know really who to trust. But our our professionals are very highly trained. They help people all the way through, you know, even issues like bankruptcy, um, credit and debt, trying to just get that spending plan in order and help really around accountability to help make sure that those goals, you know, what are your goals? Let's talk through some of that. Sometimes it's hard to do that on your own and you need that unbiased outside perspective um, and someone who has some insight about what other clients are doing and sort of what the norms are in the field. But then they help you stay accountable to that goal and get you to the point where you're saving and investing. And then they would refer on. I mean, they're 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 not licensed to sell investment products. And so they would refer to a certified financial planner or a licensed financial advisor, that sort. How does that relationship typically work? Like, do I go in for a first meeting and then I have a series of meetings to set up my budget? How does the typical person, I know it's going to be all different depending on the individual, yeah. but just typically, what does that look like? You're right. It depends. Um, some people come in and they only have a couple of questions and they, you know, they just, they need one particular area sort of shored up in their lives and then they get on their way. But most people are going to come in. There's, you know, you're going to spend some time with just getting to know who your client is and who the, who the professional is, the counselor or the coach. And starting to establish what are what are some of the challenges or the things that you're that are keeping you up at night? What are you worried about? And a lot of times that has no perceived dollar value. It's like, well, I'm worried about my son and how we're going to get him prepared for college. Well, now you need to start digging into the money aspects of that. And so they're going to sit with the individual to understand what their challenges are. Sometimes it's in a relationship, right? It's a different mindset towards like my husband and I, you know, I'm more of the spender and he's more of the the saver. And so sometimes that can create some differences in how you approach your money, how you manage your money. And so there's a lot of that, just understanding what's bringing the client in, what are their questions, their concerns, their challenges. And then the subsequent sessions would be to start to work towards what those goals are. So, you know, you, you said that you're having trouble maybe setting and keeping to your budget. So you'll dig into, again, what are looking at the financials and figuring out what money is coming in, what's it going out to, does this align with our stated goals? Where could we cut? So they're going to help the individual or the couple or the family sort of figure out all those different steps. And it can take multiple sessions. I mean, some people meet with their, their professional for many times over the course of the year, or even check back frequently. It feels like it could be like a financial therapist for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And actually financial therapy is there's another organization that really focuses more in the therapy space, which is much more into like the mental health aspects of it. But you're right. It's our counselors are really understanding 
the emotional undercurrents that money brings to all of our lives. You know, what are the challenges and the behavioral sort of limitations that are keeping you from your goals? And I think it's more of that relationship building. It's the empathy piece. It's understanding that money is something that we all, I mean, first of all, we all have to use money, right? But it becomes something that I think is so taboo and so scary that um, we often get in our own way. And it can just be working with that person can help break down some of those barriers. And you see, it's not as complicated as maybe you thought it was. And it's oftentimes something I think we push to the back burner because I'll get to that. I know I, know I need to make my budget, but everybody's so busy. Um, and just understanding that that is very normal, but there are people who will help you work through some of that. And it's like cleaning out your closet. Nobody wants to do it. But once you do it right, you're like, oh, why didn't I do this like six <laughs> months ago? You know, so it's a lot of that. It's just working through what everybody struggles with on some level and then having a plan that you can that's realistic, that you can keep changing as your situation changes, but that will help really Again, I think it's about the alignment piece, living out your life in alignment with your values. And that's going to look different household to household. Also, something that's different, I could imagine, is the way that uh, coaches and counselors charge for their services. But typically, what does that look like? Well, that is another, it depends. With our field, what's interesting is that a growing part of the field is the private practice space. A lot of those folks will charge a flat hourly rate. Some, some people will do a sliding scale and they'll say, you know, we'll see you for X number of sessions and the fee will change. But for some folks or for most folks, I think it's really a flat fee. And that can be, that can run anywhere from, you know, 75, a hundred dollars an hour up to that. We have professionals who are working with higher income folks. And so they might charge two fifty an hour. So it, it depends. It really does depend on where you are in the country, what the services are, how they've structured their, their business model. But we also have a lot of professionals who work in an environment where the service to the client is free and so, because they're getting the salary from the organization that they work for, like a nonprofit um, in your community might do it. Some banks and credit unions have accredited financial counselors there. And so you could actually go and, and get the service for free. And right now we're offering free virtual financial counseling and coaching really in response to COVID, but it's open to folks that just have questions. We know people were struggling obviously long before COVID. That's also another, there's, there's oftentimes, you know, free resources like that where people can get that level of expertise still. And how do people get a good list, a good solid list of uh, maybe people in their area or people that might be appropriate? On our website, if you go to afcpe.org, there is a find a certified professional link on our website. And then you can sort from there. Um, you can find people who will do virtual financial counseling. So of course, they don't need to be in your area. But then you can also search for people that are in your area, or you can just reach out to us, we can always connect you with the people that are really passionate um, and that really, you know, are ready to help and might have a specific area of expertise that you're looking for. If you had a coach or a counselor that freshman year of college, how would things be different? How would, how would things be different for Rebecca? It's <sighs> a great question. When I think back to it now, I want to say that probably it would have been the opportunity to get straight about what my values were, because I think I allowed other people's habits and decisions to just string me along. And I didn't, I didn't have enough self-awareness 
to say this isn't this doesn't align with my values. It certainly didn't align with my checking account. But at the end of the semester, not being able to buy gifts for my family for the holiday was actually devastating. I remember just being so upset about it and so disappointed. And so I think that would have been the biggest thing was just to stop and understand who I was, that I didn't get caught into other people's lifestyle, you know, it was just a lifestyle change. And I, I needed to make sure that I was more in control of who I am and what my goals were and not, not make decisions based on other people. We'll have a link to the AFCPE on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com and all the links that Rebecca talked about. Rebecca, thanks a ton for helping us talk about overspending and, and coaching. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me on. Hey, stackers, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And all that talk about planning has reminded me to plan for something I've been excited for all year. Let's be honest, 2020 has been a year to forget. But once I introduce to you this little glimmer of hope, you'll change your tune and skip your way to all your social distancing events and Zoom calls. You know, I just got to say, sometimes people forget just how sophisticated good old neighbor Doug truly is. But before I clue you in on this little treat, feast your ears on today's trivia question. On this date in history in 1955, the minimum hourly wage was raised to $1 per hour. So the question is, how much is the federal minimum wage today? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can ask your boss for your own raise. Hey, Joe, something we got to talk about, man. You know, all this talk about what we can control, guys. One thing that we can control is how we look. I mentioned the other day that uh, in a recent coaching session, I made a list of things that I can control that I wanted to do differently. And one was the way that I dress, but even more specifically, wearing a watch. Because remember, being the best version of yourself extends all the way down to the way you dress. Even if you're not a watch guy, Remember, there's always going to be an occasion where you want to look polished and put together, for example, interviews, networking events, conferences, even dates, anniversaries, or weddings. It's funny, when I was a kid, I used to think that pocket watches were absolutely badass. And now I just think whenever I see a guy wearing just a plain watch, I think that's somebody who pays attention. Successful people are confident people. So make sure you have something that makes you look good and feel good. And you can take on the day with your head held high. For a lot of guys, that piece is going to be a great quality timepiece, which is why we're going to tell you about Vincero watches. With collections ranging from dress watches to sports watches, Vincero has a style for every look, occasion, and price point, and they're all under 200 bucks. That's why they have over 22,000 five-star reviews on their website that you can go read for yourself. If you haven't read about the guys behind Vincero, and you're at all interested in entrepreneurship or people finding their passion, people went 100% in on it and had to pay off. You got to check out not just Vincero watches, but also their story. Both are truly amazing. So because you're a stacker, we're going to help you spend even fewer Benjamins. Don't overpay for a watch that looks cheap and disappoints especially for stackers. Vincero's offering 20% off their already affordable watches. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com forward slash Benjamins 
and the coupon code Benjamins will be automatically applied at checkout. Don't you dare pay full price at checkout. Use the stacker link to get the discount. V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com forward slash Benjamins. It's a buy you won't regret. Well, let's talk about finding freelance talent for your business or project. You know, sometimes a business like a podcast, for example, completely hypothetical, might need to quickly pivot in order to meet a goal. Or maybe there's an unexpected obstacle that occurs. It's a Tuesday afternoon. You've no idea where to turn. You got this thing. Got to get it done right away. Maybe it's going to be impossible to meet your deadline with the size of your current team and you can't figure out how to get it handled. Where do you go to find on-demand talent? How much is it going to cost? How can you be certain that they'll deliver? Finding the right freelancer can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. And that's why Fiverr's platform helps keep businesses moving with the network of trusted freelance talent. When we use Fiverr for voice talent, uh, fairly often you'll hear a lot of Fiverr all over the show. In fact, that uh, Hello Darlings intro that you hear at the start of our headline segment, that is uh, a very talented woman that we found on Fiverr. Many of the commercials that appear on this show, those are made using Fiverr talent, the latest being the uh, coffee commercial for day traders that we created here in-house. It was super easy to find them. Whether you're somebody like us who's been around a little while or you're launching your first business, being able to scale quickly to get a project finished that doesn't happen all the time, Fiverr's here to help you evolve, adapt, and grow. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including, we talked about voice, but there's graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. Find what you're looking for instantly. Search by service, deadline, price, reviews. You'll know exactly what you're paying for up front. No negotiating needed. And of course, 24-7 customer support. Quality talent you can count on. And sellers that work with some of the most influential brands in the world. It should say here, and they've worked with Stacking Benjamins, but it doesn't. I think they need to change this copy for us, OG. Yeah. (laughs) Check out Fiverr.com today and you're going to get 10% off your first order because you're a stacker. By using code SB, it's super easy. Find all the digital services you need in one place at FIVERR.com, code SB. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code SB. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And while I sound like a laid-back, regular old guy, I'm actually really sophisticated. It's time to put a sparkle in your eye and a spring in your step for the first time probably since March. Ready? Well, I'm sure it'll come as no surprise to you that not only am I a fantastic host of this show, but I'm also an astronomy buff. Renaissance man, right here. Not bragging. Just saying. Well, get this. Ready? Turns out that the Perseid meteor shower peaks on August 11th through the 13th. Tomorrow night, it begins. Let's be real. 2020 might be your suckiest year on record, so make it better by watching the best asteroid shower of the year. This shower is caused by debris coming off the comet Swift-Tuttle, which ironically was also the name of my pet turtle. The show will be coming from the same spot in the sky as the Perseus constellation. So get out your astronomy apps and feast your eyes. 
Hey, speaking of eyes, for you non-astronomy experts, just give your eyes about 20 minutes to adapt to the darkness and get away from the city lights if possible, and then enjoy the show almost as much as you enjoy this show. You know, during its height, you can expect to see 40 to 50 meteors per hour. Now that I've salvaged your year, let's get back to today's trivia. You didn't know where this was going, did you? The question was, how much is the federal minimum wage today? Since 1955, the minimum wage has increased from $1 up to $7.25. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. $7.25? I think I got to go do some calculations or, hey, Joe, now we got another thing to talk about. Nice job on the trivia. It's funny that OG knows exactly what minimum wage is. What I pay my kids. <laughs> Agreed. Are you going to go outside and see the meteor shower tomorrow, next day? No. I think your kids would really find it. Right. I'll just wait till next year. (laughs) Really find it fascinating. You know, I don't get many opportunities. It's too bright here. Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't get many opportunities being in the mountains of Vermont. I think this this might call for Cheryl and I waking up early one day or staying up late. And uh, oh, it requires getting up early. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> He's like, and cut. Yeah, not yeah. good. It's on YouTube somewhere, right? Like I can watch a video of it. <laughs> I've got a big TV. I'll turn all the lights out in my living room. I won't be. Oh, su- that was a big one. I won't be surprised if tomorrow night I tell you that I'm headed out and you're like, hey, could you uh, c- could you video that for me? Yeah, put that on Facebook Live and then I'll watch it tomorrow. That would be great. I saw an asteroid, meteor, whatever you want to call it. I guess there's different definitions, right? Like it's a meteor, then it's a meteorite, depending where it is. But I saw one as I was flying once. No. You know, come through the atmosphere. It was pretty cool. And then I got thinking like, holy crap, if that thing actually hit an airplane. I was just thinking that. What kind of damage would that do? Especially a teeny tiny one. What kind of bad lottery have you won to have that happen? I mean, the statistical probability. (laughs) The same time a lightning bolt strikes you. I, I thought you you knew that that was that it was probably your time to go. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Speaking speaking of going down a plane, how about talking about life insurance for a minute? Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency is horrible. They put what you value first, probably not getting hit by a meteor and um, living in mom's basement. A telescopes, yes. It's actually loved ones in your time, but I could see the OG family gathered around the telescope. That'd be fun. It's why they may buy an qu- aperture camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend of ours, uh, son, has, has done some of those. Have you seen some of those that our other friend Doug's kid uh, yes. have done? Good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's your loved ones in your time. Uh, that's why they may buy quality term life insurance. Actually simple. So you can be gathered around the telescope or in the plane as the meteor hits you instead of getting life insurance. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Their application is simple. It's online. Prices are affordable. Policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than 160 years old. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Hey, today we got a letter into the basement. Doug just brought it down here. And this one comes to us from Jim. Jim writes, hey, Joe, hope you and OG are staying safe. This is a mix of relationships and money. My wife and I live in Washington, D.C. We make $175,000 a year and have saved up around $200,000 for a down payment on a house. 
We have no debt, a $30,000 emergency fund on top of the $200,000 and regularly put money into our 401ks and IRAs. We luckily haven't been affected by C-19. After speaking with some lenders, we feel comfortable buying a house up to $900,000 here in the D.C. area. My in-laws have generously offered us $250,000 to help with a house. Three exclamation point zero G. Three of them. Because this huge amount exceeds the max yearly gift they want to structure as a family loan, one that we won't have to pay back. I have a couple questions. One, will we have to pay a minimum interest payment to them? Two, would it be better if they would co-sign on a house? Three, is there any way they could give us that large sum of money without burdening themselves with a big tax bill? My wife is fully on board with taking the money. She now wants to extend our house budget to a million dollars. She is comfortable with that. Saying yes or no will both have some impact on my relationship with the in-laws. If we say yes, then we'll technically owe them a lot of money, making me feel uncomfortable. If we say no, they may be offended since my wife's sister's already accepted the same amount of money from them. I know this is a complete first world problem to have, but I'd appreciate any advice you have as an older couple men giving advice to a younger man. My wife and I have been married for a year. Thanks and keep up the good work, Jim. Must be nice, Jim. Must be nice. <laughs> Somebody wants to give me $250,000 and I'm not quite sure how to take it. How, how do Whoa. I have that happen? Yeah. Gosh almighty. So a couple of things that I thought was really funny that you said. You said, I want to structure this as a family loan that I never have to pay back. Well, guess what? It's not a loan then. It's a gift. And therein lies the big distinction uh, as it relates to an estate planning question, gifting problem, uh, planning problem, so to speak, which is to say that if you give somebody money, that's fine. If you loan them money, that also is fine. But you can't loan somebody money and pretend it's a gift or give somebody money and pretend it's a loan. It's just it just doesn't work. This is a really easy thing. So without answering all of the questions, I can just tell you how to do it. There's a lifetime gift amount one can do, and it changes from time to time. But here's the cool thing. You don't have a statute of limitations on when you have to report the gift. So that gift exists. I would take the money. I would make a notation, you know, or have your uh, in-laws make a notation, talk to their tax person and their attorney to obviously document all this sort of stuff. But then later on, they can decide how to deal with that. You know, they can claim it as a gift 25 years from now. They can claim it as a gift on their deathbed. They can claim it as a gift as part of their estate plan when they are already passed away. There's lots of different places to put it. And as of now, there's not a rule that says you have to fill out that gift tax form and use it. And even so, even if you did, there's still not a taxability issue because you're just using your lifetime gift exemption, yeah. which is um, a million bucks. So really, you're not even using that. You're using 125K for each person. And really, you're not even using that. You're using... Because you got the you know, one-time exemption uh, each year. Well, yeah, so, for each know, mom, person even. Mom can give you 14. Dad can give you 14. Mom can give daughter 14. Dad can give daughter 14. So now you've got 56,000 that's gone out of that. So now you're really looking at like, even if you did, you'd file a gift tax form of something like maybe 90 or a hundred thousand or something. So long story short is this, take the money, say, thank you. Recognize that they now get a say in, 
your house, you know, paint schemes and that sort of thing. They'll pretend that they don't, but they most certainly will. Oh, well, some of this is ours, you know, <laughs> which would just that to me, that one statement, if it ever came out, would cause me to refinance the house and give them back their 250. But yeah, I would have them talk to an estate planning attorney, verify what I just said, take the money, be happy. Buy a smaller house, save money, live in mom's basement like uh, us. Go find a $248,000 house, pocket two grand and buy a sweet TV. Bam. And with all the money that you're saving, you can probably afford the Xbox yeah. and three or four video games too, Jim. Just saying. Yeah. The new Xbox even. So yeah. So take the money. Uh, don't go too crazy on the spending. I know obviously in the DC area, the house prices are much higher. Just be aware also, I'll add this, the documentation of that you know loan amount is going to cause some consternation during the mortgage process. Just be aware of how to deal with that. You got to talk to the mortgage banker about you know, what to do. But otherwise, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't let mom and dad worry about it. And um, go get your money. I was thinking, I like your your points, OG. And I was thinking myself, but even before you started, that if there was a way to just take that over a five-year period, I mean, it just wipes out everything because of the fact that mom can give daughter, mom can give son, dad can give daughter, dad can give son. Take it over five years instead of one year, you're you're completely in the clear. But you're saying you're in the clear anyway. Yeah, I, I think you could do that if you structured it as a loan and then forgave portions of the loan every year. But again, you know, you can't have a zero interest loan. Right. So you'd have some expense to that. And furthermore, you'd end up with a lot more paper trail. You know, a you've got more. five years of record keeping and all that other sort of nonsense. I, I just wouldn't even worry about it. At, you Agreed. know, yeah. Because one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to have a lot of money when they die and you're going to pay taxes or they're going to be broke when they die and you're not going to pay taxes. So either way, I wouldn't worry about it until, until uh, they've passed away and then you deal with it at that point and they deal with it. Frankly, you don't even deal with it. Thanks for the question, Jim. If you've got a question, you can write to us, uh, Joe at stackingbenjamins.com or if you'd like to get a sweet greatest money show on earth t-shirt and help the show, send us a voicemail, send us a voice memo. It's really easy to do. There is a microphone right on the site. If the device you call in with has a microphone on it, you just press the button and start recording. It's stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And OG and I can answer your question. Hey, just a couple uh, housekeeping notes before we say goodbye for Monday. Number one is big thanks to everybody who's left us a review of this year podcast mom puts them on the fridge and during her zoom calls now with her friends she always seems to put herself right in front of the refrigerator so she can show them off to friends and uh you know now that we're in the new house in vermont she's loving showing them the new place but always seems to start with the fridge and uh today gonna say thanks to schadenfreude 45 which is a heck of a name Imagine the playground abuse you get with Schadenfreude 45 as a name. Five stars, if only, is the title. If only the SB Podcast provided solid financial advice. If only the SB Podcast entertained and amused listeners. If only the SB Podcast made my early AM run a truly pleasant experience. Ah, if only, dot, dot, dot. Big thanks to Schadenfreude uh, for that one. That is great. Mom is very, very proud which makes us happy because as you know, OG, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. 
And uh, second, if you're somebody who needs more financial help in your corner, then either uh, Rebecca and her team of financial coaches can provide or more help than uh, a podcast, which uh, tries not to teach you anything, can provide. Well, OG and his team of financial advisors are taking on clients. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG, and that will hook you up with their schedule and they can talk about how they can interface with you to make your financial planning better. All right, that's going to do it. Hey, guess what, OG? Coming up on Wednesday, I know longtime listeners are going to love these words. Len Penzo's sandwich survey coming up. Every year we talk about inflation in probably the most fun way possible. How has the school lunch sandwich changed? Of course, what's funny is, don't we call the school lunch sandwich for a lot of people this year the sitting at the dining room table at home sandwich? Yeah, right. Going to be an interesting year. Sandwich prices, though, are what we're talking about, not the state of school. So we will steer clear of that one. But coming up on Wednesday, Mr. Penzo back in the basement. All right, Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Moving in with mom, that's probably the answer to all of your questions about money. Trust us. Second, take a lesson from Rebecca Wiggins. A solid foundation is easier to build when you have help. It doesn't need to be a professional coach, but between accountability and expertise, letting others in can help you climb the mountain faster. But the big takeaway... Crisis averted. When I heard that the minimum wage was over $7 an hour, I'll admit I freaked out. But luckily, Joe calmed me down by explaining that I love this job and volunteering half my time to help the show. And that is a very commendable and noble thing I'm doing. Eh, He's got a point. I am commendable and noble. And with the other half of my pay, he explained the fact that I play around the other half of the time, so they can't pay for all that. You know, I, I guess that, may, that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, and this is the best job ever, and you, you can't ignore the logic of his argument. So, uh, I guess zero dollars per hour is kind of a fair pay. Big thanks to Rebecca Wiggins for joining us. You'll find more on the AFCPE and how they can help build a financial foundation for you or a friend at their website, afcpe.org or on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. I mean, that's a lot of letters to remember in AFCPE. So just go to stackingbenjamins.com and you'll see everything you could ever want to know about the show, but not nearly enough about me, but all the other show stuff, you'll get it there. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rudder-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor.
Uh, I saw this tweet that I thought would be pretty funny. I miss the early innocent days of the pandemic when people would tweet, quote, Shakespeare wrote King Lear in the quarantine. And we nod our heads and think, yeah, good point. I'm similar to the most successful writer in the history of the English language. I'll finish my novel right now. (laughs) Oh, I have gotten my fill of Netflix. It's good to be in one place, though, now. It's going to be in one place. And now Cheryl and I, the last couple of days in a row, have jumped back on this uh, series that we've been watching called The Order, Okay, which may be, I know I reviewed it before, it's incredibly dumb. It is incredibly dumb. And I mentioned that it's a little like uh, Sabrina. If you like Sabrina, I think you'll like The Order. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. Very campy. I don't know. I don't know if I like it or not. I probably like it less now than I did when you and I talked last. But I'm a completionist at this, and it's fun enough that I can't uh, figure out where it's going. And it feels like it's going somewhere. So, of course, they've they've, they've got me now, man. I'm six episodes into a 10-episode season. Of course, there's two seasons. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, 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 we'll see. So, the order. How about you? Uh, well, you've got The Crown. We talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only thing that I'm watching on TV. I'm watching uh, the uh, school situation. That's the most uh, annoying slash interesting slash pressing thing going on in our house right now. I've been trying to listen to baseball just to get away. Just because, I mean, I know the school thing for you is immediate. And I'm sure there's lots of people locally chattering about it that you got to be somewhat plugged into. So I'm glad I don't have to be part of that. I mean, it's just, it's just the school. It's just the, you know, it's just what they're doing or not doing. And, uh, anyways, I could go on for hours, but at least the baseball people put uh, crowd noise. It's so weird. So they, even listening, even listening to it on the radio, it is so weird. The crowd noise in the background that, you know, is fake. I mean, imagine, yeah. Imagine this. You noticed it wasn't there. The Marlins, the Florida Marlins, what, had 18 players. And I didn't know. Do do you know this whole deal this year about their practice squads? No. So they have this kind of B team. Each team this year is allowed kind of a B team. So not not a triple-A squad, but a practice squad. And what most teams have done is they've taken about half of that practice squad and they've made them veterans, unsigned veterans that they can very quickly call up if somebody has tested positive and they can plug them into the team. But the other half of that they're using as development, right? I mean, what a great opportunity to develop some players. So these are players that have no business being in the major leagues yet, but they get to practice every day with major leaguers. When the Marlins two weeks ago, had 18 players test positive OG. That meant that 18 of these people had to be called up, which means that you now have have guys who have no business being in the majors coming in. But, but ima- imagine not just that, being Derek Jeter, their general manager, going, oh boy, I got to swap out 18 people, which these practice squads, I don't think we're ever meant to do. But but the second thing is, imagine it being your first major league at bat. How weird is this that you, you, your first major league at bat has, you know, maybe what, 70 people in the entire, uh, in the inti- well, maybe more than that, maybe a couple hundred people in the entire ballpark. And you're taking your first major league swing in front of this empty stadium, pumped in crowd noise. 
and go, go, go music. Yeah. And you're getting your major league debut. And you're not going to hit it because you're like a 43 year old (laughs) (laughs) truck driver from Omaha (laughs) called up. So gave up on baseball four years ago. They're bringing you back. So, Speaking of yeah. that movie, man, like, that's a that's a that movie. Even that movie, there's a movie called The Rookie. Or the something. Rookie, oh, so good. What team was he playing for? Yeah. Tampa Bay, right? Who knows? I didn't watch it. Oh, you didn't watch it? Baseball and baseball. Oh, baseball's so fun. I'm so glad baseball's back. It made uh, the car trips that we had recently much more palpable, palatable, not palpable. Palpable is a whole different uh, thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's a different word. Yeah. I'm not getting anything right today. It actually made him palpable. Made him palatable. Yeah, palpable. I could feel the... Platable. I could feel the palpableness, the palatableness. <laughs> you could feel my palpableness. <laughs> hey oh. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.